Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Black woman. Beautiful. Powerful. Resilient female of African descent with skin kissed by the sun. Conversation. A talk, especially an informal one, between two or more people in which news and ideas are exchanged. We love being black women. Black women are ambitious. Black women are confident. Black women are diligent. We are tenacious. We walk out of our houses put together. We are many shades and personalities of fabulous. But we as black women don't talk about our dilemmas, current events, and what's going on every day that affects us. So... We created this podcast as a way to laugh together, cry together, and have an open conversation about life as black women. Oh, that's deep. Black Women Conversations. Hey, Nicole. Hey, Janine. How's your week been? This week, uh, well, shall I say last week, has been just like no other week. It's been such a bad week. We've been short-staffed. We were short-staffed this week at the job. And it's been horrible. I mean, I can say I finally made the decision to leave my job. I'm leaving July 1st. That's my last day of work. And um, I went ahead and made a conscious effort to put that in writing and put that in. So. I'm somewhat relieved, Janine, that now I need to sort of regroup and figure out what I'm going to do next with my life. Um, so it's been hectic. And I'm not going to say I quit my job just because it was hectic the last couple of weeks. But um, I knew that I was going to have to make some moves because, like I said in the podcast before, husband's working in Birmingham. I'm here and he's commuting back for work. So now we're making a conscious effort to make in the same exact city at the same exact time. So that meant that I need to be intentional about what my work situation was going to be. So yes, it's been hectic. I've made some life altering decisions. Y'all just keep me in prayer because at this point I'm walking by faith, not by sight, because I don't have another job. I do not have another job lined up for July. So that's how my week's been, Janine. How's your week been? Well, let's go back to your week first. Um, I'm proud of you for making life-changing decisions. And one of the things that we keep discussing on this podcast is you have to do what's best for you and take care of yourself. We have to be proud of you for taking the leap of faith, knowing that something will come, knowing that you are super intelligent, you are double, maybe triple board certified, I don't remember which one, you're really good at what you do, and the jobs will come. I'm proud of you for making the decision to take a leap of faith and move on. Well, thank you, Janine. Um, I, you know, uh, I, I've been talking about this for a while. So my husband is going to make some decisions about his career path first. And then once he makes some decisions about his career path, then I will uh, make decisions about my career path next. Now, I know what some of my listeners are thinking. Some of my listeners are like, what? Nicole is telling people that she quit her job before she got a new job? What? First of all, don't come for me, okay? Secondly, I gave notice of resignation for my job. So I'm going to still be working at my same job until July 1st. So I've given myself about four months to get a new job. And mind you, if the market was horrible and I knew I couldn't get a job, then I might do things a little bit differently, but I do have some options on the table. I'm just waiting to decide on those options on the table until my husband decides on his next move. So don't come for me because I know I usually do tell y'all, don't you quit your job before you get a new job. I am the main one to say that, but um, I have some options. I have some offers out there. So I uh, decided to take a leap because I didn't want to prolong me having to stay at this job. So if you're in medicine, you know, you already have to give sometimes a 60 day notice 
90 day notice or 120 day notice. Uh, my last job, I had to give a hundred and did I have to give a, I had to give a six month notice, 180 day notice for, um, for my last job. Now this job, I only have to give a 90 day notice. So in order for me not to have to make a decision and then wait another 90 days, I decided to go make a decision now. I've said before on this podcast that we make the rules and we also break them. So look, I'm, I understand that we're supposed to get a job before we quit our current job, but look, sometimes the way that things are going, your mental peace is just way more important than being at a job. But you know who actually taught me this? Our former producer, Lauren, she taught me that she was like, Janine, look, if I can't take something, I'm not about to sit somewhere and be miserable. And, you know, you and I are from of the age of like, hey, you have something lined up before you jump into the, the pool of unemployment, right? And she was just like, you know what? If a job doesn't work and it's not fulfilling and I'm coming home every night miserable, it's not worth it. I'll figure it out. And look, that's where I am. When you, when you don't like something... We don't have to suffer through it anymore. That's not, those are the days of our parents. Nowadays, we get a job, we make the money, we save the money just in case we need the rainy day fund. And the rainy day fund might be, I can't take this job anymore, so I'm gone. That's okay. Now, mind y'all, y'all know I always have a couple jobs in the pocket. So trust and believe I do have backup plans and I do have full-time offers. But um, we'll see where we land. I mean, it's it's. I'm trying to. I'm letting my husband lead me, y'all. I'm letting. <laughs> I'm letting him lead us. So um, once he makes that move, then I can quickly make a move after that. So just just wait. Just you know, may have some some interesting things. Some a little shake up. Maybe moving. Maybe not. Who knows? I'm shaking my head because you are definitely the Southern woman of the two of us because me, and I'm not saying this is the right way because please understand, I'm very well aware of what the Bible says. However, the way that Janina set up, I'm very much set up to the point of, this is what I would like to do. Please don't get in my way while I'm doing it. I have to do better. So I admire you for that, Nicole. Well, thank you so much, Janine. So tell us, what did you do this week? So this week was little nuts. It was a lot nuts. So there were some like health issues in my family this week. And like, I, you know, Nicole, because I called you. Um, but yeah, it was it. This was the first week that I really thought to myself, like, I'm really so well, no, it's not the first week I thought this, but one of the weeks that I thought to myself was, I'm so glad that I don't have kids because there was a point where I was getting maybe three to four hours of sleep a night and I still had a lot of stuff to do. So it was a little overwhelming, but there was some highlight to my week. My friend Jenny, friend of the pod, she got married. So I've talked about Jenny before and Jenny is Jenny is like my resident white girlfriend, right? And I say that because oftentimes Jenny and I have conversations about how different it is to grow up being, you know, white as, as opposed to growing up being black. And, you know, she's just that kind of person where, you know, those people that are just like, they don't have like a hateful racist bone in their body. She's one of them. And she got married and she got married to Mark and he's so dope. Like I always say, you know, it's always very interesting who people end up with, but those two are like, perfect together. And I'm so happy for them. So they got married. Their wedding was beautiful. So congratulations to them. I hope they're having so much fun doing whatever it is that they're doing um, right now. But yes, they got married. So I got to do that. So that was probably the highlight of my week um, this week. But I I don't really think I did anything else other than stress myself out. But that I actually was not stressed. However, (laughs) let me say this and I'm about to tell myself. So I realized this past weekend that I have now become a lightweight. I don't know when this happened. I don't know how it happened, but there was a point and I probably shouldn't be proud of this or say this out loud, but I'm going to admit it. Like, you know, transparency is, is key. There was a point in my life that I could drink an entire bottle shot for shot of Patron on my own and be perfectly okay 
and coherent and get to where I needed to get to. I'm not going to say I drove because that's an irresponsible, but you know, just be able to still be aware and recall everything the next morning. This past weekend, I had two glasses of wine, which was really just one and a half glasses of wine. And I recall my best friend and my husband telling me that I said and or did things that I do not recall at all. And I specifically asked Ken, I said, did I drink more than I thought? But apparently, like, I'm just a glass and a half of wine. But apparently, I drank only like a glass and a half, maybe two. Ken's not sure whether I finished the second glass or not. But I don't recall a lot. So I'm a little disturbed. Like, I need to get my tolerance back up. I think it's because I don't drink as frequently. But I need to, like, figure this out because it's a little it's a little disturbing when I'm, you know, ready to take a nap and I've only had. Apparently, Ken said I wanted to take a nap in a windowsill at a hotel, which is disturbing. So, yeah, I need to work on that. Listen, uh, what kind of wine were y'all drinking again? What was that? It was Pinot Grigio. So I have no what, idea. What, which brand? Oh, please, I, mean, I have no idea. It literally was like, hey, do you have Pinot? Okay, great. I'll have that. That's what, Listen, what happened. Listen, y'all were drinking that good 15% loose as a goose. Two glasses of wine? I'm just sitting here thinking, yesterday I flew back from Montgomery, right? Because my husband preached down there. And I had a mimosa on the plane on one flight because I had to connect. And then I got to the bar. I can't remember the, it's like an Asian bar because I got this uh, fried rice, which was delicious. It was house fried rice. It was delicious. It had bacon and shrimp in the rice. It was delicious. Anyway, um, and I had a strawberry mimosa with that. So that's already two glasses of champagne. And I felt like, okay. I mean, I stayed up the whole flight, watched Richard is King on the flight and did fine. And I'm considered a lightweight. So usually when I have two good, strong glasses of wine, I'm like, woo, woo. So for you to have a glass and a half and you're like out of it, like, I don't know what kind. Somebody spiked your drink. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Crazy thing is I asked Ken, I said, do you think that someone spiked my drink? And he was like, uh, no, Janine, I don't know what happened. I have no mm-hmm. idea. Does that usually happen when you drink a glass or two of wine? No. No. I no. usually recall everything. And I and here's the thing. Like I said, I I don't want to say was raised drinking because I wasn't. That wasn't the case. But working clubs for years on end, working in the entertainment industry, you become kind of like immune to drinks. Like a drink or two or five, you're fine, right? Like now when you start hitting more than five, you're like, okay, you need to chill. But like even at the beginning of the pandemic, I remember we were having virtual happy hours and I was going through half a bottle of wine on my own and be perfectly sober and remember everything the next day. So a glass and a half, I was a little like, what happened here? And when did I become a lightweight? I don't care how much I didn't eat. I should be able to recall what I was doing. I cannot recall. I'm embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed, friend. You're with your husband. You don't have to be embarrassed. You are not the drunk woman walking out of the club whose best friend was trying to keep your dress down. That's not you. You were with your husband, with your best friend. You were not out there bad. So don't feel bad. Maybe you, um, you know, we haven't had many virtual happy hours. If you think about it, the end of 2021, 2022 hasn't been virtual happy hour land. I mean, that was a 2020 thing all the way with virtual happy hour. So it's probably been like a year and a half since you really drank a half a bottle of wine. And honestly, with the new job, you've been super busy. So it's not like you have much time to hee ha ha. So I think you just don't have a tolerance anymore. And Ken is right. If you were on an empty stomach, well, that, that could explain it. Yeah, look, I'm not, I'm, I'm embarrassed because I feel like I, my tolerance should be higher But then I'm also like, well, you know what? It's not very ladylike to drink excessively. So I'm okay with it. So I'm okay with it. But I'm just like, when when did this happen? You know, it's kind of like, I feel like I'm getting older. And I feel like the first thing I thought to myself when I couldn't recall what had happened the night before. Now, I didn't have a hangover. So let me be very clear about that. I wasn't like, oh, I have a headache. It wasn't that. But the first thing I thought to myself was, oh, my goodness, this is what happens when you turn 40. 
Oh my God. And you're not 40 girl. I'm not, but that's the first thing that came to my mind. Like, this is what happens when you turn 40. I can't drink anymore. Like I have to have one glass of wine and then I'm done. But Nicole, can we go back to something for a second? Are you supposed to be drinking now that you're about to be a first lady? Jesus turned water into wine <laughs> and he said, keep the party going. So where there's nowhere in the Bible that says you cannot drink wine. You should not be getting drunk. That's true. Okay. You don't overindulge, but you shouldn't overindulge in anything. That's true. Okay. That's all of that is sinful, not just wine, but Very no, th listen, there's nothing to say about wine. You know, the good black church will tell you, you're not supposed to drink. Now, let me tell you, the one thing that I have learned in my research of the Bible is that if it convicts you, then you shouldn't do it. But that does not convict me. So I can do it. Now, if it convicts you, I will not be offended if you ask me not to drink in your place. But it's that's not my conviction. So you live by your convictions and I live by mine. How's that? All right, Johnny. What is on your timeline this week? Okay, Nicole, speaking of the Bible. So I know that when you and I were raised, we were often quoted the adage, spare the rod, spoil the child. I feel like if I had a nickel for every time that someone said that to me, even as an adult, I would be rich by now. It's like our parents kind of use that as like a permission slip from God himself to spank us. Like, that's how I feel. Like they were like, you know what? The Bible says spare the rod, spoil the child. So God has given me permission to spank my children. I mean, our parents really took that literally. They felt like if they didn't discipline us physically, then we would somehow turn out to be bad seeds, which clearly was not the case. So for reference, the scripture, which is Proverbs 13, 24, in the New King James Version actually says, he who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him properly. And for those who like to take the Bible super literally, let me read you the NIV version. And it says, whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. So we were also frequently quoted the Exodus 2012 scripture that says, honor thy father and thy mother, thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God has given thee. Okay, so... Basically, they used to paraphrase that to honor your father and your mother so your days may be long. We've all heard it. If you grew up in a black household and y'all went to church, you've heard that. And even if you didn't go to church, you probably heard it because people use it all the time. The second scripture about honoring your father and mother, I feel like they use that so that we wouldn't question their poor parenting tactics because questioning them would be not honoring them. So I feel like it was kind of like a, a double, double whammy with that, right? So all the while, our parents were ignoring the scripture about provoking their children to anger. But again, I digress. We won't go down that road. So while some parents, I feel like probably mostly black parents, still hold true to the sparing the rod and still physically punish their children, most parents have kind of seen the effects of physical punishment. And for the most part, I feel like they kind of try to avoid it. I mean, aside from the public shame and the embarrassment, I feel like most people try to avoid physically punishing their children. So as you know, many studies have proven that physical punishment is actually quite ineffective. Rather than correcting the undesired behavior that it's intended to correct, it can actually lead to increased aggression in your children, antisocial behavior, injury, mental health issues, and even some impaired brain development. So it's also actually found that spanking normalizes the act of hitting for children and it leads to further aggression. And it also encourages conflict between adults and children. So let's put a pin in that for a second. And I will go to exactly what was on our timeline. So I was scrolling through our timeline on Sunday and saw a video that friend of the pod Griff posted and it stopped me literally Nicole dead in my tracks. And in this video, you see a young boy. He appears to be 10 or 12 throwing what appears to be like a bottle of lotion at this elderly woman. Well, while he's throwing the bottle of lotion at this elderly woman, he's also kicking her in the stomach. So you see her get up and attempt to defend herself and you hear him screaming one kick. That's all it takes. One kick. Now, mind you, 
if I said those words to somebody that was older than me when I was young, before I could get out the rest of the my teeth would have been down my throat. But again, in this particular video, he says one kick, that's all it takes. As he then squares up and kicks her in the stomach again. And the elderly woman, she falls against the wall. She gets up and begins to attempt to like try to put this child into a headlock. But as she's doing this, two other children that appear to be the same age jump into this and start like beating on this elderly woman. So one of the children grabs a pan after being coaxed by the adult who's actually videotaping this entire thing. And she proceeds to try to hit the elderly woman with this pan while the other children are still beating on her as the woman pleads to the person who is videotaping this, who I'm assuming is an adult, which after reading the article about it, it is an adult, pleading with the person videotaping, please get these children off of me. Please get these children off of me. Now, the elderly lady, you can tell she's super frail, but she's trying to defend herself. And the person that's recording is refusing to help this elderly woman. As a matter of fact, she's basically encouraging the children to continue on with this behavior. This, Nicole, is when I believe in physical punishment for children. The first thing that came to my mind was if these kids are big and bad enough to hit me, I'm big and bad enough to show them how to keep their hands to themselves. I'm not encouraging by any stretch of the imagination physical punishment of children. But I now understand why it happens. I understand that violence begets violence. I honestly think that this is probably the reason why these children are acting in this manner because they've probably seen this. They've probably seen a situation where violence was acceptable and the person got what they wanted by being violent. So they probably, you know, took what they were exposed to and applied it to this situation. Again, it's not the right thing to do, but literally the thoughts and the feelings that flashed through my mind when I watched this, the only thoughts and feelings that I had were to snatch every last one of those kids up as well as the person who was videotaping. Because if you think this is acceptable, that's how you want to be treated as well. Now, I will say this. Three adults have now been arrested and they're being held without bond for elderly abuse. And the children are now in foster care. This is beyond abhorrent. It made me realize that while typically I'm anti-corporal punishment, specifically for children, right? Like, I don't believe that you should hit children. There are clearly some instances in which I'm willing to make exceptions to that rule. And this right here is one of them. What do you think, Nicole? I think that um, there's something deeper to this that we're missing. Because you got these children that's beating up this elderly woman. And you got this 26-year-old that can be seen encouraging them to grab objects to hit her with. So I'm wondering if there's something that we're missing, like what was the reason for this? Was this elderly woman once an abuser of them? I don't know. I just feel like something had to be missing because no one with a heart that's an adult could sit there and watch an elderly person get abused. And so I just, I felt like there was something that we were missing. But if we weren't missing anything, and let's say this woman wasn't abusive to these children, how dare they? And and shame on the parent, or not parent, because it wasn't a parent, but the adult in the room, the adult suh in the room for encouraging this kind of behavior was almost like they were watching a chicken fight. You know, like this was a form of entertainment for them to have these children under their control doing what they probably wanted to do to this elderly woman, but they knew that as another adult, that would be wrong. And they probably knew, thought, you know, if we hit her, we could get jail time. But if they hit her, they're, they're minors. So they're not going to be punished. So they thought that's how the story was going to end. So instead they encouraged these, these children to uh, beat up this elderly woman. And I just can't even... I don't even I don't even know where to start with that. And why do these children think that it was okay to actually listen to this adult? You know, if somebody were telling me to beat up my grandmother or aunt or anybody in my family, I would look at them like, 
are you crazy? Like, no, but these kids didn't do that. So it made me think that these adults had some type of control, whether they felt like if they didn't do what they said they were going to do, that they were going to get in trouble or they were going to get abused themselves, or if this was something that they just regularly did, you know, like, oh, we're just going to do this today. And it happened to get caught on camera and they happened to get caught, you know, but either way, they all need their tail whooped. From the little bitty baby that, that was all <laughs> that was there to the adult. All of them need to be beat. They all should be wrong. And um, I don't know if I would say this is a, a case of, you know, sparing the rod. Because if these children had some discipline, would they have done this? Or if it's sparing the rod with these adults and they didn't get discipline when they were younger. And that way they feel that this was justified for them to dictate that these children beat up this woman that obviously was defenseless in this in this situation. Yeah, I got I was torn by that as well. Like I would be interested to know did they spank these kids before? Like have these kids seen violence because the the aggression that that initial little boy had in the video I can't imagine being that age and having that level of aggression towards anyone or anything, right? Like you can tell that it was something that was deep seated. Now, I don't know if the lady was abusive, but here's my thing. Those weren't her kids. So if she was abusive, why would you drop your kids off at someone's house who you know to be abusive? Didn't the article mention that the father had dropped them off there for days at a time? Yep. So it seemed like the dad was almost like an absentee father. Like who drops their kids off at, I think this was either his mom, his aunt's house. That's his what aunt, it was. Yep. Who drops their kids off at their aunt's house for days at a time? Like I understand if you're on a work trip, you're going out of town, COVID's going on. You, you can't take all the kids with you. So you're going to leave them there. But like, where's the mom? And why are you leaving these children somewhere where, the adult doesn't feel safe. And why are these other grown people around? Why does this elderly woman have to watch these kids? And why are these grown people around? Y'all, I feel like sometimes the elderly is taken advantage of. Look, I don't think that elderly abuse is ever appropriate, just like I don't think child abuse is ever appropriate. I think that parents are often lazy. Now, I don't have chicken or child, so I won't, I'm not making judgment. But I feel like hitting your child when you want them to do something that they're not doing or they're not listening is the lazy way out, right? Like having a discussion with them and explaining to them why it's wrong and punishing them and coming up with a very creative way of expressing, especially when kids are young, expressing to them what it is that you're expecting of them and why they're not meeting your expectations. It becomes a little bit more challenging. You don't have to hit them every time something goes wrong, right? Prior to the, seeing this video, that was my belief system. Like, oh no, you should be able to talk through everything and they should be able to have a punishment that is not a physical punishment. When I saw this video, I literally, like my mind went black and I was like, if your child can do this, if this is what your child can produce, then you have the right to hit them. And I know that that's wrong. I know that the thought process is wrong, but that's exactly where my mind went. And now I understand why people beat kids. Because if I had walked into my house and that was my aunt or my mother and those kids were jumping on top of my aunt or my mother like that, just like you, I would have whooped the kids. I would have whooped the woman that was videotaping. I would have whooped the people that left the kids there. Everybody's getting their tail whooped. That's just how it's going to go. Find me later. Everybody's getting it. Everybody can catch these hands. That's just how this is going to go. I could not think of another way to handle this situation. First off, let me say this. Harrison is going to get spanked. Okay, if he cuts up, he's gonna get beat. I'm say I said it. People can come for me if you want to. That corner stuff don't work for everybody. And I am definitely going to spank my child. I won't kill my child, I won't abuse my child, but I will discipline my child. And so if I saw a family member's child doing that to my grandmother, I would also beat them, okay? Because your family. And it's my job to help be the village to raise you. So I would definitely be taking my belt and spanking these children. And I wish that somebody would try to buck up. I wish that someone would try to do something to me. I'm just saying. 
look, I'm with you. If your if your kids are are bad, big and bad enough to put their hands on someone else, then they're big and bad enough to get beat, right? But for other stuff, I, I, for other stuff, I'm not with the beating. I'm just not. Like, here's the thing. I think that there are so many lazy, impatient parents that the first thing they go to is beating their kids. It's like, how do you know that talking to your kids and putting them in the corner doesn't work if you've never tried it and the first thing you do is hit them? I'm not saying that that's you. I'm saying that if that's the first thing that you do, then how do you know? Like, I think that people's go-to is like, let me just pop my kid. And it's like, do they know why you're popping them? Or you, do they just feel like you're just hitting them for the sake of hitting them? Now, at this point, Harrison is too young to be spanked, right? Correct. But he's not too young for me to tap his little hand. Mm-hmm. And because a corner, he's not going to sit still enough to be in the corner. But when he has his little tantrums now, he's almost three. Oh, yeah, we'll tap his little, little little thigh and say, don't you do that. That's that's a no-no. That's not nice. And you're going to hurt yourself if you continue to act this way. Now, we don't take a belt out and spank him or do anything like that. But we will tap his little hand, which hurts his feelings enough. Or we'll tap his little butt, which he got to pull up on anyway. But that hurts his feelings enough. But sometimes every child is different when it comes to discipline. And... My thing is, if my child is not responsive to the corner, he will get, I'm not anti-spanking. He will get spanked. I do not believe in beating children. You should not be leaving marks on children or just beating children just because you feel angry. Okay. It doesn't take but a couple of licks to get your point across in terms of don't do that anymore. But yeah, if that don't work, mm -mm, you're going to get spanked. I watched my niece run for my sister-in-law run from her because she did not want to get the clothes on that she laid out for her for like 30 minutes. So she was 35 minutes late to school because she didn't want to change clothes. She was having a tantrum. And this is, I mean, she was at this point, like eight, nine, old enough to know better. And she got spanked. And I remember thinking she deserved that spanking. She deserved that because she wasn't listening. She wouldn't go in the corner when you wanted to go in the corner. So she got spanked. Now, mind you, with me and when I kept her, if I told her to go in the corner, I never had a problem from her. But that's because I think that parents don't like to see their children suffer. Not saying that I do like to see children suffer, but I think it's harder for parents to actually instill discipline when the children start making excuses. Go get in the corner. Oh, well, I got to do my homework. Oh, well, I got to do this. Oh, I got to go to the bathroom, right? So for me, when my niece would act a fool, I would say, you got to sit and you got to write lines. So you're going to write to me these lines over and over again, right? Or you're going to do your, your times tables. You can just write them out. And she'll say, how long until I tell you to stop? Or you're going to sit in the corner. You're going to stand in the corner with your nose to the wall. I don't know why she hated that, but she hated standing in the corner with her nose to the wall. And she would act a plump fool, carrying on. And I say, you've added five minutes. And I would be so serious with it that eventually, once she got up to 35 minutes, she realized this woman is not playing. Because I'm like, I can sit here all night long. I'm used to staying up for a living. We can do this. Let's do it, right? But for a parent, they may think, and now that I have Harrison, you may think, I just want to get in bed. I'm Mm -hmm. tired. I want my me time. Just go to your room, put your bed clothes on, go to bed, you know, and you forget to instill the punishment. But as a parent, we do have to be very diligent in instilling the punishment that we have, whether that's no TV, no video games, no this, no that, no phone. You got to stick to it. If you say a month with no phone, you can't give in after the first two weeks Mm -hmm. because that's not going to work. But if you are doing the things that you said you're going to do and it's still not working, maybe a spank is the next place to go. Don't come for me. I'm just telling you what I'm going to do in my house. Yeah, I feel like once you find your child's currency, so if it's video games, take the video games away. If it's their cell phone, take the cell phone away. If it's the computer, take the computer away. Once you find your child's currency, I don't think that you need to continue to hit your kid. Now, if you have one of those kids as a little borderline, and by borderline, I mean like they like to try you, look, 
you do what you got to do to keep your own household at peace. Don't abuse these kids. But sometimes I'm with you, Nicole. Sometimes, especially if you have kids that are like these kids in this video. Oh, go ahead. Tap, 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 tap on. Cause I'm not going to be mad at it. And I'm probably going to say that you should have tapped them earlier because clearly something went awry that got them to this point to make, make them believe that this is okay. Again, you have to do what is okay for your household and how you keep your kids in line. I don't believe that you should control your kids. I believe you need to keep your kids in line because controlling them is a whole different situation, but you know what's right and wrong and you know what's good for your kids and what's not. And if it means that you got to tap, tap, tap to keep peace in your house and you're not abusing them, the, the child protective services isn't come to, coming to your house and people aren't wondering what's going on with your kids and you're feeding them and clothing them and nourishing them and they're not needing to get psychological help from you because of you, go ahead and tap away. I'm with it. And I am anti-child beating. But now, mm-mm, nope, tap on. Now you have a small window and, and these kids have missed the window because realistically two is too young to be tapping or beating your children, right? Or spanking your children. Let's not say beating. Let's, let's erase that word. Spanking your children. But three to five is that, that very much so personality development, molding age. And if you don't discipline by five, it's like over, like they're a whole person by five, you know? So you really do have to instill some type of structure in kids' lives before they are five. And, you know, five is the age most kids are starting like kindergarten, right? So that means before somebody else gets a hold to your children and the other outside influences get to hold your children, your children have to have a foundation at home and they have to know who they are and who they are at home. And not saying that children don't go, obviously people start preschool at three or four years old and then kindergarten at five. But before that five, I mean, that's your window. After that, if you have a troublemaker, it's going to be harder to reshape and remold that child, especially once they have their defenses up when they're around other children uh, in school. I agree. Do you remember that when kids used to bite, people used to bite them back and to see to make them see how it felt? That happened to me one good time when I was a child. I remember it like it was yesterday. I bit because somebody made me mad. I bit and I got bitten back and I never bit anybody again because you learn real quick, especially when it's not from your parents, right? You learn real quick. That's not acceptable and I don't want you touching me. So I'm going to keep my hands to myself. And that's the bottom line. Teach your kids to keep their hands and their actions to themselves. You can do what you want as long as it doesn't affect other people and as long as you're not hurting yourself. Where did the society go wrong? Where did we go wrong? All right, Janine. So speaking of this grandmother getting abused, let's talk through some letters from our listeners, why don't we? Let's do it. All right. So our first letter says, Nicole and Janine, I don't know what to do about my job. I work as a middle school teacher teaching algebra. I have several disruptive and verbally abusive students who have now become more physically abusive to other students and more threatening to me. These students are getting into more fights. One particular student has screamed and cursed me out after he scored a D on his quarterly exam. Many of the students enter the class late, causing commotion, making jokes in the middle of lecture. When I try to send them to the principal's office, it always causes a scene because they refuse over and over again until I call the principal to the classroom personally. One student threw his book across the room, nearly hitting me in the head. Ladies, the Lord is still working on me and I'm trying my best to stay prayed up. But I'm this close to snapping if one of these kids tries to buck up on me. The only reason I stay is because I really love teaching math and feel bad for the students who really want to learn. Ladies, what would you do in my situation? I'm trying not to snap, and I don't want to have to involve the police because we know how that'll end. Signed, Geneva. Okay, Geneva. It's very ironic that at the beginning of this episode, when we were chatting about what's going on in our lives, Nicole told you that she has quit her job. And I say it's ironic because that's what you need to do, girl. Quit this job. We understand that you like teaching math. There's another place that you can teach math. 
there are smaller institutions, there are private institutions, there are charter schools, there are places where kids really want to learn. And unfortunately, it's those kids that make it difficult for the kids that can't afford private schools or won't get into a charter school or whatever that are going to have subpar teaching probably because it's not too many good teachers that are about to sit and put up with that kind of stuff. Let me explain something to you. You can love math and love teaching math, but you should love yourself more. And it sounds like you are putting yourself in harm's way every time you walk into that classroom. A couple of things. One, until you quit your job, Geneva, I need you to lock that door when it's time for class to start. Lock the door. They'll stop coming in late because guess what? Class is closed. We're no longer accepting anybody else. Now, if there's a rule with your school that you are not permitted to do that, you need to go take that up with the administration. And you also need to take up with the administration how they plan on handling these children that are unruly and dangerous to your not only mental well-being, but your physical well-being, throwing books across the class. I just hope that you are teaching young, young children because this behavior just sounds like not barbaric, but it almost sounds like these kids were raised by wolves and it's unacceptable. It's just unacceptable. And I'm not going to tell you to sit there and deal with it or talk to the kids and be nice because we are past that point. You are a teacher. This stuff started at home. Let's be honest. You did not teach these kids how to act. They learned how to act from home or their little friends or wherever they learn how to act from. And now you're just trying to protect them so that they don't get hemmed up by the police. And the fact that you're having to call the principal to your class to gain some sort of order, it is just way too much chaos in your situation for me to encourage you to stay. Girl, if you don't find a new job, I don't know where you are, Geneva. Write back into us. Tell us where you're from. We will help find you another job. Because what you don't need to do is sit here and be abused by some kids that you're probably not getting paid enough money to deal with to begin with and go home and have to worry about what's going to happen the next day. If you don't leave these derelict kids where they are and go find you some kids that actually want to learn, I apologize because I feel like I shouldn't be calling people's kids derelict. But if they're throwing stuff and showing up and acting out and cutting up in your class and they don't know how to act and then now they want to have an attitude because they got a D because they were acting a fool in your class, girl, you have the patience of Job, which is probably why you're a teacher. But Janine, the way that Janine's patience is set up, it does not work like that. And the way that Janine's authority is set up, it does not work like that. If you want to get this knowledge and education that I have to give you, then you're going to sit down and act like you have some good home training, even if you don't. Nicole, what do you think? Okay, so um, what I, you know, usually I'm usually the voice of reason and I'm the person that's probably like trying to give an alternative uh, suggestion. But in this situation, I would have to say, you need to start looking for you another job. And the only reason I don't say quit now and walk out is because you're a teacher. So you may not be able to find a job in the middle of the semester. So I would say, put your notice in that you're not coming back next year so that they can get you uh, a replacement. Right. And I would definitely start applying for new jobs in other school districts. If you don't own a home in that particular district, if you're willing to commute, I don't know how, where you live or how far commute would be to another school district, but I would definitely want to uh, not be in at least not that particular school. Um, the alternative is you can have those students removed. Let's outline some outline some um, some uh, rules for conduct and repercussions for misbehavior. And if they misbehave, you and the principal need to be on the same page in terms of getting these people out of your classroom and having them not return to your classroom ever. Because what happens if you were hit in the head with the book and you got a concussion, okay? Or you got a gash across your, your head that's now permanent there. You have a permanent scar there. Or you have memory loss there. Or you have a bleed in your brain. Or you tripped and fell and hit your head and died. You know, what happens in those situations? Is it worth you staying for the few good students that want to learn? It's not. It's not worth your life. And it's not worth your sanity. And it's not worth your safety. So you do have to get out or you have to make there be a, a um, zero tolerance conduct uh, rule 
in your classroom so that they can get out. Okay. And you need to have a talk with your principal and say, Hey, listen, I'm going to leave and you're not going to find somebody to be able to stay. that's going to put up with this unless you take our complaints seriously. And we want these type of students not to be here. Now, the issue with that type of student is you can have that type of parent too, right? And so the parents are usually unruly, just like the students are unruly. So then you probably, you get the child out, the parent that you've been trying to call whole semester, all of a sudden she come up there and she, ah, 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 how dare you, right? Taking up for her child. And her child is going to have a temper just like the mom or the dad has a temper. So you should get ready for that. And if I were you, I would tell the principal, document every time you try to contact the, the home, document every conference you try to set up with the, uh, the student's uh, parents, and then document their lack of response. And when they come up there acting a fool, I will say, you need to talk to the principal about that. I've already tried my best to contact you and communicate. You refuse to communicate with me. Therefore, the principal has now taken that over. And if the principal doesn't want to deal with it, let the superintendent deal with it. But the point I'm making is you should avoid dealing with a parent that can become irate. Okay. You already see what they've raised. Okay. These are middle school students. These are not elementary school students that still have some development to do. These are middle school. So when I think about middle school, I'm thinking 12, 13, 14 year old students, teenagers that should know better. Okay. Their parents are going to be just like them. So just be prepared for that. Okay. Um, and let the principal handle it until you get to the situation where you can find it out. And I understand that because schools, you know, switch at the end of semesters, I will start looking for a job now. Okay. If you can switch now, as soon as you get a job, I will say, uh-uh, I'm out of there. But if you're in a financial situation where you can apply for jobs and quit and get out of there, put a two-week notice in and go, I would do that as well. Because your safety is not worth this. Okay. It's not worth this. You can do VIP kids, do some grant review, do something else. Uh, until you get another job teaching in person. Um, because th this, you know, throwing a book at me, what I would be more concerned about wouldn't be the safety of, of my safety. It'd be the safety of those kids. Because listen, I'm, I'm uninhibited. Like if you throw a book at me, I'm going to snap back. I'm popping back. I'm popping back off. You swing at me. My reflexes are coming back for you. I'm going to hit you back. Okay. Yeah. I'm that eye for an eye type type person. So I would be more concerned about them and their safety and how I would lose it, not my safety. So I'll be like, for the safety of them children, I'm going to get my, you don't have to worry about me. You don't have to let me get my stuff and go is what I would do. Just let me and James know where the bail money is so that we can get you out after you teach, because that's what that's about to be. But I'm with you. I'm not about to hit your kid, though. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm not about to hit your kid because I don't want to have to hit you, too. And I don't want to have to go to jail over you and your stupid kid. So I'm not going to hit you. But what I am going to do is I'm going to scare the living Jesus out of you. Because I don't understand the concept of people not being able to control their behavior. I don't get it. Unless you have a documented illness, I expect that you, like everybody else in this world, can control yourself. End of story. And if you're 12, 13, 14, I was hoping that these kids were like babies, right? But if they're middle school, I guess you are like 12, right? At that age, you should be able to control yourself. But like Nicole said, if these kids are stank and acting like this, then their parents are just as stank, if not more, and acting like this too. I digress. We're going to move on to the next letter. So my letter says, Nicole and Janine, my son scares me. He's 13 years old. And he's always been a quiet loner, but recently his behavior has me questioning if I should seek help for him. He generally stays to himself and stays in his room. Recently, when I went in his room, I found several dead birds in a box under his bed. He also almost hung our dog. And when I caught him, I asked him what it was about and he claimed that it was an accident. The other day, my husband who works overnights, woke up to go to work and my son was standing over him playing with the flame from a lighter. We have never hit him or harmed him, so we aren't sure where this behavior is coming from. I'm starting to fear being in the house alone with him 
Is this normal teen boy behavior or should I look into getting my son some help? I don't want to raise a serial killer. Please help Lenora. I would sleep with the door locked, okay? I don't play that kind of game. And if you have to even think about whether you should get your son help or not, go ahead and get it. What's the worst that could happen if you get him help? So might as well go ahead and get him counseling. He needs to go to some type of group therapy. Try to figure out if there's some trigger that's happened. Like, has he been abused and you does not know it? Has someone been uh, teasing him at school? Is there something going on in school? Has been bullied? Has somebody abused him in the family? I would definitely get him counseling. And I would definitely let the counselor know all of these things that he's already done. Uh, this behavior that he's showing is concerning for like antisocial personality disorder. You know, those children that, you know, set cats on fire and, you know, you always said hang dogs, like they're, they're harmful to animals initially. And then they become more obsessed with hurting and even killing other people. So this to me screams antisocial personality disorder. And I'm not saying that it's that extreme yet. It could get there based on what you said. So I definitely think that you need to seek counseling now. Um, Janine, did he, she say how old this child was? 13. 13. Okay. So yeah. So before antisocial personality disorder is usually in adults, but before that, what is it? Dissociative? Uh... Personality disorder. Yes. I just looked it up specifically. And it says that that's about the age that, that antisocial personality disorder starts in early teens. Yeah, it seems very antisocial, dissociative, and I don't know which comes first because um, I can't remember back to the med school days, but that screams like textbook definition. So I think you should definitely uh, get him checked out. And obviously, I'm not a psychiatrist. Um, I don't really remember everything from that part of my medical school education, but I do know enough to know you need to get some help. Like it, it will behoove you to get help now before it's too late. And let's say he goes through counseling and he does fine and nothing comes of it. Okay, well, that's fine. Now you've gotten counseling. You know, realistically, I feel like everybody should have a counselor anyway. Like, even if you don't have a personality disorder, like just life itself, just dealing with the pandemic itself, it's just stressful. So I don't think that it can hurt anything to get your, your kid checked out and, you know, get your kid an emotional check-in. And with there being this rise of, suicidal ideation and behavior in teenagers, I feel like every child needs like an evaluation every once in a while just to make sure that they're coping okay. Because you could think your child's coping okay and deep down inside there could be something else going on. And then all of a sudden it's too late. Like there's something that's happened. So um, I think that you already in your mind know that you should seek help. You just want us to tell you. And so we're here to tell you, girl, go ahead and get your child some help. I just want to say that you're probably correct that your that her child probably has some trauma that she might not be aware of because one of the things while we were while you were talking that I looked up is DID which is dissociative identity disorder is specifically what it stands for and it talks about how it's something that you know could be repetitive physical sexual emotional abuse usually extreme and oftentimes it's something that develops in childhood before the age of six so if something had happened to your son you said that he tends to be quiet a lot he you know it might be something that he's gone through that you're unaware of he might not be able to even articulate it right like he might not even recall what happened but it might be affecting him the thing about it is is like nicole said there's no harm in therapy if you're fine, you can go to therapy, right? Like you might just, it's a pandemic. You not really adjusting well to the pandemic. I'm having a bad day, got a new job, whatever it may be. Therapy helps. I've never heard anyone say, and I'm sure that there are some outlying cases, but I've never heard anyone say like, oh, I went to therapy. It was so awful. It made it worse, right? I think that erring on the side of caution with this is probably the best thing because I don't know about you, Lenora, but it ain't too many times I'm about to wake up and have a flame over my head and I'm not about to ready to choke your child. OK. If it were me and the way that you kind of like glossed over this with your husband woke up and it was a flame that your son was playing with standing over top of him. Don't 
stand over top of me while I'm sleeping. And if I wake up and you're standing over top of me, I'm with Nicole. The reflexes are probably going to have me want to attack you because why are you standing over top of me, right? The other thing I want to revisit is you said that you're scared of your child, right? Girl, even if you are scared of him, please don't let this boy know that you are scared of him, right? Because you can be scared. You can have all the fear in the world, rightfully so, because your son is showing some very um, disturbing traits. But, you know, most people who mean you mean you harm, they sense fear a mile away. So don't let this boy know that you're scared. You take control. You and your husband need to make sure that you take control of your household because guess what? At the end of the day, you all are responsible for this kid. And if this kid can't live with inside of the, the boundaries that you've set for your household, then he needs to find another place to live. And I know that's going to sound really harsh and hard for me to say to you and probably hard for you to grasp, but there are some children, and I'm not a proponent of this, but there are some children that need some inpatient care. And it's okay. And it's perfectly okay. I would rather you get inpatient care for your child now than for him to be institutionalized for being a serial killer, as you put it. And you said, I don't want to raise a serial killer. So I'm not putting this, I'm not projecting this onto your child. What I'm saying is your words, right? I would rather him be institutionalized temporarily now than to be institutionalized permanently because he did develop into a serial killer. That's all I'm saying. Seek help. Help can never, psychological help and counseling can never hurt. I just feel like all of these signs, if it was my child, I would be seeking some sort of inpatient care because you're not about to stand over me too many times. You're not about to keep hanging my animals and you're not about to keep dragging dead birds into my house either. I mean, all of those signs are just, you know how on the internet they're like, red flag, red flag, red flag. Everything that you've written to us is a red flag that something might be a little off in your child's head. Not something that can't be fixed, but I think that you need to work to actively get it fixed. That's all I'm saying. Because we want you to be alive to write us again, to tell us how much progress your son is making. We don't want your son or somebody else to be writing us telling us that you are six feet under because your son couldn't control whatever urges he's experiencing. Just seek help. Seek help. All right, Janine. So what did you learn new this week? So I learned that according to the American Academy for Pediatrics, half of parents under the age of 36 believe in spanking their own children. So that's only about 50% of those parents, right? But among all older generations, that number increases to 70% or higher. So over the age of 36, people... 70% of people believe in spanking their kids. And the older the, the generation gets, the more that they believe in spanking their kids, which I, I'm in belief of, right? Because it's only within the last 20 years or so that spanking has become taboo. So, but yeah, only half of, of people 36 and under believe that they should spank their kids. I really feel like if we continued in the generation of spanking your children, that we wouldn't have this issue with the COVID vaccine. I said it. I'm done with do it. Do you feel like that? People just want to do what they want to do and they don't think that there's any. I just feel like it makes pe people are so in the mindset of like, I mean my mind and I don't have any repercussions and this is my life. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And I really don't care if whatever I do is for the greater benefit of other people. Uh, if it's not just going to individually benefit me and I need to feel, see the benefit. I need it needs to be tangible for there to be any type of benefit. It's just such a world now that everything is so selfish. I mean, I'll say that. I mean, it's, it's, it's selfish. So yeah, I do think that if villages were still raising children, that we wouldn't have that issue. Now the issue is the villages stopped having to raise children because the village became more abusive. You know, people became, you know, took advantage and exploited children and so you you had to be like, don't you touch my child. Don't you say nothing to my child. Don't you steal my child. You know, you had to go that route. And so it's a shame that you can't have the same village or at least not as big of a village as you had before, just because now you're afraid mm -hmm. that somebody's going to actually abuse your child. But I think that the time we are, we're in now say a lot about the type of discipline we have and the type of discipline we have also says a lot about 
how we think about other people and how we think about ourselves in relation to other people. So, yeah, I think that we do a good job of thinking about ourselves and a poor job specifically in this country of thinking about others. So what did you learn new this week, Nicole? So I learned, according to criminal justice research, that one million elderly people are victims of domestic violence each year. And 40% of those cases were by their adult children. That's sad and very pathetic. We live in a society where we don't take care of our elderly after they've taken care of us for so many years. Shame on us. I mean, honestly, shame on us. That's pathetic. I agree. All right, Janine, you ready for the motivational moment? I don't know who this came from. So this is from someone anonymous, but it reads, young people, don't respect your elders. Rather, respect yourself. Real self-respect includes respect for others. Let that sink in. Until we meet again. Pray, work, slay. And show off your melanated excellence. Bye! Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversations is produced by Nicole Lee Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Get the Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or where you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate us. You can follow Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversations on IG at Oh, That's Deep BWC. Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversations is a mean old lion media production. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.